Hey everyone, you're listening to the Simple Electronics Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, from the Simple Electronics YouTube channel. And with me today, I have a very special guest indeed, where it all started, Junk From Work. How are you, man? Good. How are you doing? It's been uh, it's been a while. It, it, I, I can't believe how long it's been, actually. It's been exactly 55 episodes since the last time we we spoke. Well, I think we spoke... I think we did the soldering challenge after that. So you know, it, it does then. sound like it rings about 55, the plutonium anniversary, I believe. Uh, I think that's what it is. <laughs> well, if it isn't, uh, the way things are going, maybe later in the year, it will be a plutonium. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're going to get prepared, get our tolerance up. I think that's how that works. Yeah, I think so. Um, look, um, in case my viewers have forgotten who you are, uh, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about you? Okay. Uh, well, I had a YouTube channel. I still have some videos up. Uh, I'm a mechanic from uh, Canada, Northern Canada, BC, um, and uh, made some YouTube videos doing stuff with cars and electronics. And uh, now I'm just kind of a guy who hangs out and doesn't really post a whole lot, <laughs> whole lot of videos right now. That's totally fine. But I do want to run something by you. So on the podcast, since your appearance, I've had some um, some like awesome guests. I really can't, I can't yeah, say awesome crazy. enough. <laughs> like, um, but you know, Electro Boom, Dave Jones, you know, uh, Big Clive. These are like titans in the industry. All of the hits. Um, and you know who has the most views out of all of them? You. I, I mean, yeah, you got to you what they want. You know, it's like yeah. when you, when you walk you know you're you're driving and there's a horrible car accident on the side of the road you're gonna look you're gonna take a peek so we just gotta give the people what they want but yeah <laughs> I, I mean definitely uh that is quite the compliment because yeah there is some huge i'm talking huge names in the right kind of comic con electro nerd realm i mean these are titans of of industry they really are and and uh I give you a lot of credit. You've been not only to stay, uh, you know, keep the quality up, but continually increase it. Because obviously, when you're starting at the point where you're you're with me, it, it only is up from there. So, uh, <laughs> smart man inviting me on for the first. But uh, yeah, that's something that um, a podcast is such a tough thing. I don't know how, uh, you know, I have a hard time carrying a conversation to the. When you know when I'm paid to be there out in public, you know dealing dealing with people, uh, to be able to actually captivate an audience for any period of time just with voice, especially nowadays. I mean, it, it's it's pretty incredible. Unless you're you know you, you got to be doing some sort of uh, you know stupid life hack. You you do you watch those by any chance? Are you you're not a big uh, Snapchatter person? Where no. They, these people um, are like, oh, you got a stripped out screw, take a rubber band off your underpants, and it's going to come right out. I do need to correct something before I go into that. Um, oops, uh, elect Electro Boom has more views than you. <laughs> oh well, listen. If he didn't, I would be a little bit concerned. Yes, he's a national treasure. I mean, you can't. He is. Um, I don't care whose names. I got a names. I, I'll throw everybody under the bus. I got to beat him. That's <laughs> that's the goal for this for this episode. Um. um yeah, he's got uh, eighty about uh, uh, ninety one hundred views in total, nine thousand one hundred ish, and you have uh, forty six hundred. But you are by far like the closest to. I him. definitely 
more you know number two is an underrated spot i was you know i'm the the cult classic of mm-hmm. of the simple electronics podcast and i think that's a good place to be at you know you don't you don't wanna, <laughs> you don't want to be the avatar you're so in everybody's face you're gonna get some haters but you know you're a pulp fiction everybody loves you you know you're 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 uh you're a crowd favorite yeah, just after talking yourself up there on first place <laughs> for the last 30 seconds. Um, yes, the life hacks. So uh, I've been uh, going down these spirals of procrastination, uh, mostly because uh, teaching is taking up like literally all my energy. Like I do not have energy when I get home I can, I can to uh, breathe, you know. Um, and when you combine the long COVID with that, it's even harder. Um, but there is this uh, YouTube shorts creator uh called funk fpv yes and okay i have oh, been watching you know exactly yeah. who it is. Yeah. this is awesome yes. so let, so let me do this let me do this so he's a forklift uh mechanic i don't know if he thinks no i think he calls himself mechanic some yeah, people say so technician yeah yeah but he basically watches these videos and comments on them and his takes are hilarious and it's he got yeah, and he went so far as like they always sell these these shitty like cutting pliers, right? And he bought them and he made like a half hour video of trying to like recreate the claims. It's crazy. That's probably one of my favorite. I don't you know, it's one of those things where I'll have, you know, one two dozen many drinks and I'll come home and I'll I'm not a big Snapchat person, but my, you know my family has. You got to send dick pics somehow, obviously. Um so I get on there and and those will start playing and it is the most infuriatingly stupid and and the worst thing about you know the great thing about YouTube is there's lots of comments you can go to the comment section and you know you can watch these people get just ripped to shreds but on you know uh, on Snapchat you you can't and you see this mind-bogglingly stupid life hacks and you just got to sit there and take it and then I that happened to the the YouTube algorithm through his videos up at me. And uh, I was hooked immediately. Like he's literally saying what we're all thinking when it comes to the the dumbing down of what's going on with social media. Media, but yeah, I, I I completely died. Yeah, he's he's good shit. I uh, I don't usually put uh, creators on blast, but I've reached out to him and he didn't reach it back out because I want him on the podcast. What a dick. <laughs> I'll put so him on Funk, blast. Right now. Are you listening? Are you yeah. listening, Funk? If, he's. I mean, if, the guy is getting probably a lot of he's you know it's going right to his head obviously you know you're you're a, a whatever he's doing elevator mechanic or a, a lift mechanic yeah forklift mechanic forklift mechanic and now all of a sudden he's stu- superstardom man he's going to be selling t-shirts pretty quick it's 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 coming so his latest video he he picked up one of those uh like road go mics like the big box that you kind yeah. of uh, put on your shirt and he like he like rubber banded it to a pair of of th- those pairs of pliers, and that's what he, that's what he was doing. But it's like it's a lav mic, dude. And you just like strap it to yourself. What are you doing? I I see that, and then he, he's not. I don't think he's much for being in front of the camera. I sympathize, and he's holding it. He's got it. He's holding it with the pliers for like the first two three minutes of the video. I'm just gonna rest this here. He gets like a roll of tape and shit. <laughs> professional i like uh, that really, i love it it doesn't work on any other social media platform youtube's the only only social media platform that encourages that level of uh novice you know yeah and honestly i'm all for it more trades people want to get into youtube because like honestly uh one of my favorite 
non-electronics YouTuber is um, South Main Auto and oh, uh, yeah. Eric O over there. He's uh, he's some level of brilliant, and uh, I love how he how he calls himself not intelligent all the time. He's like, oh, I don't know, I just I just do this for a living. Uh, but the it's guy like, is is scary smart. Like it, I, it, it it's unbelievable. He's actually a big reason why I decided to get into the trade or, you know, before I was a mechanic, before I had any formal training, what do you do? Just like every other problem in life, you go on YouTube, you search it up. And I see this, these videos, the same guy. And I start searching them out and seeking them out because it's pretty easy to tell. He obviously knows what he's doing. And uh, consistently I'd say present company excluded, obviously that's probably been the most, I've watched more of his videos over the last, I've been on YouTube since 2011 you know, the last decade than probably any other content creator out there, including, you know, Linus Tech, the big, big channels. I, I, his process is so, um, solid. It's so solid, right? It, it's, it's something that even if you're not in the trade, even if you don't have a, a technical background, you can see that there's, there is genius, um, on the screen, you know, and, and it's, it's something you, ne you never really give the respect to, a technician but it's really hard for somebody to watch one of those videos and not come away with it like wow there's there's a lot more there than just you know oil changes and, and mountain set of tires oh yeah and he's on my required reading list for my students we have a i built me and, an, and another professor that i work with we built a uh, program from the ground up to train up uh people like straight off the street basically mm -hmm. either you know they're graduating high school or they're adults looking for a second career um, we train up these people from the zero knowledge position to the, you know, you can hold your own in a shop, you know, earning a, a starting wage um, in 14 weeks. And yeah. uh, I give them Eric O videos as homework, basically. I'm like, A, you're going to learn a little bit of shop culture because Absolutely. the way we act in the shop is different than where you would act like, you know, if you worked at a fast food place or if you worked in deliveries or whatever. Mm -hmm. And B, Eric explains every single one of his steps. So even if you don't understand the nature of how the system works, Eric will get you like three quarters of the way there without even trying. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's so crazy. Like you said, the, the detail, I literally, cause I, you know, I just said, I just, uh, I think we we're talking off air, but I just bought a used truck about a Chevy Colorado and they, it's getting to that, that point where it needs, uh, it might need, um, you know, front timing chain and phasers and stuff like that. And I literally watched a video. It was a four part video. They were long videos, 45 minutes, an hour where he goes through, gets the oscilloscope and, uh, the, it does a full, he's, he's literally measuring uh, links, averaging them out, you know, figuring out how much this chain has stretched over time. Like it, it is so, you know, even as a technician, somebody who's, you know, fairly well versed in, in, in technical things, he just takes it to a completely, uh, different level. And like he's a very humble guy too, you know, even, even the way that he interacts with his kids and his wife, I tell you, I'm, I'm not like that in the shop. <laughs> you know, I definitely run a lot harder than he does, but I think that just comes with his level of, of expertise and, and, uh, familiarity with what he does. I mean, he lives to do what he does and, and it really shows. Yeah. Can you believe that he's the, he's the business owner and he's not losing his mind when he's dealing with like, uh, you know, let's just say 
uh, either difficult customers or customers who literally have no money left because all the other shops took their money and didn't fix their damn car. You know what it, I mean? It, 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 what, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, a brand new Chevy pickup. I don't think it was more than three, four years old. And customer, huge quote, PCM, TCM, oh, yeah. uh, harness, this and that. Goes through, does a full, you know, you know the the process. The process is so important. You know the the, the thing that he said, and I don't know if I'm sure this is a this is a saying, but plan the work, work the plan, and that's something that I really attached to when I was you know earlier in the trade. Because if you don't have a plan, you you just you know you haphazardly throw parts at at things. So, anyways, it it it, it turned out it was just a bad ground strap. It was a simple fix that could be done then and there, but there was somebody at a dealership who was quote unquote factory trained was willing to charge this customer, you know, four or five, who knows how many thousands of dollars to not fix the problem. And who knows what would have happened. I mean, you've, you've been in a dealership for longer than I have, who knows, they could have replaced all the parts. They could have not replaced the parts and uh, you know, maybe found the problem as they were going through and pulling stuff apart, fixed it quick. And then all of a sudden, Hey, you flagged, 10 hours and you got the thing out in 40 minutes. It's, it's the unfortunate part of the trade is there is some people that would do that. Absolutely. And there's people that uh, don't own up to their problems. They say, oh yeah, the ground strap was bad, but all those other parts, uh, you know, were bad because of the ground strap. Like the ground strap broke them and it's like, yeah. oh, come on, dude. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta love the guys that are smart enough to know what they did wrong, but not smart enough to be able to lie about it effectively. Like, buddy, you're I just, know. just, you just come on. What are you doing here? You're going to, you're going to try and pull a fast one on me. I, I can, anybody, even a blind man can see that you're, you're full of it. That's, that's my favorite line. Even, even Stevie wonder can see yeah, you're full exactly, of it. Exactly. <laughs> I can tell you where yeah. students lost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, students, students are a big one. I have uh, some students that come in, Mind you, like everyone is kind of like at experience level zero, right? But I think some of them are more honest with themselves than others. Um, and I do say a lot in my professional career that a little knowledge is dangerous. And I think that's problematic because once once these students start learning a little, they're starting like some of them that I would I would say, you know, and at week four or five that are not ready to go work in a shop yet. Um, they're like helping people pulled over on the side of the road, fix their cars. I'm like, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whole slow down because yeah, we got to, yeah, like calm down. Cause there's big liability involved and there's, there's, um, like, it's good that you're trying to help, but at the same time we need to tone down your, um, tone yourself down a little bit because the thing is they they try to explain to me what their rationale is and how i'm probably wrong but i'm like man like i have broken more bolts than you've seen my friend like yeah. you gotta you you gotta walk before you run i'm happy that you're grasping i'm happy that you're you know you're, you're reaching for more but slow down we'll get you're you there too fresh that's the thing you have to have your spirit broken a couple times by a job to really like, oh, okay, that's the other side. You know what I mean? Because when you're starting out, it's great. You know, you're doing simple stuff. You're learning lots. Of, but then you have a mistake. You have a comeback. You have a this. You have a that. And then all of a sudden, you're like, okay, I. not everybody can do this. There's a little bit more involved here than, you know, what first meets the eye. Definitely, I've seen a lot of that even in my, obviously not me, 
but other students, <laughs> other students in my in my earlier technical training were were you could see that was a was an issue for them. Oh yeah, and like f so for example, we have um, we have an O O three RSX in our um, in in our shop at the college. RSX. Where, what's that? It's an RSX. A dirt bike it was a. No, an Acura RSX. It's oh, the, oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> if it's, it's on the, a pickup, we don't drive them here. You know. Oh, it's, true, it's, true. Yeah, you live around where AVE lives, right? Yeah, exactly. Pro you probably service his truck, the old, the old Ford. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have this RSX, and 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 I mean, to me, electrical—that's my—that's my jam. So I'm super comfortable with it. One of the professors unbolted the main ground for the uh, taillights in the back. And they're just a couple of uh, sort of ring terminals uh, with a bolt going into the chassis. Okay. And what he did was he took one of the three ring terminals and he folded it over and he put it back into the harness and taped it and put the other, um, the, the other two ring terminals back on the ground. And so this is an interesting a problem that could occur like the real life equivalent uh, you know but but the uh, viewers may not uh, where when you have corrosion like rust in between these ring terminals so you get you have a what you know what people love to say bad ground right which mm. I hate because uh, people say bad ground for everything oh car won't start bad ground, it's bad ground baby uh, anyways um, <laughs> well you as a domestic tech you must know bad grounds better oh, than most buddy, I tell you I, yeah my basically half of my career is just replacing rotted out grounding straps and trying go. to figure out what Detroit was was doing when they built this <laughs> pile of shit. Basically, probably striking. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So yeah. So when you when you turn on the taillights, the taillights function, but they're dim on one side compared to the other. When you hit the brakes, the lights dim even more. And now the side marker lamp comes comes on and the reverse lamp comes on. And when you turn the headlights on and brake, it's like it becomes the dimmest. <laughs> and so like I'm I just tell tell my students, like, don't worry about the car. Take a look at the wiring diagram. Try to figure out what you expect to see when you do your testing. And then go do your testing. And when you get something that you don't expect write it down, write it down, and then try to figure out, you know, where to proceed from there. And the students that are the most confident, they're the ones who get pummeled by this oh, task yeah. because they're like, oh, it's simple. It's just a burnt bulb or it's simple. It's just, uh, you know, there's not, there's not 12 volts getting to the, to the, the, to the light. And they'll be, uh, they'll be destroyed by the hubris because when they go check the voltage drop, they're like, oh, yeah, there's only six volts coming to this bulb. So obviously there's a problem up ahead and it needs a new wire. And I'm like, OK, but like if there's six volts that's dropped by the bulb, where's the other? Like you're not getting 12 volts at the bulb and then the bulb is only eating six of those volts. What's happening is you're getting six volts like the, the bulb is eating six and then there's six continuing on to other things. You have to go check that out. And then tracing the diagram with them and showing them like, oh, well, look, the ground path, once you cut it, it comes back up through the other bulbs and back to ground. And then just seeing them like after three hours of struggling, right? Constructive struggle. It's not yeah. like 
they're not. You got to make like, them struggle. You got to. That's such a such a good teaching method. All exactly. these things. struggle is the best teacher. It's the it's the humbler, right? Exactly. That's what happens. And you see, I, I don't know, like I guess it's a little bit uh, drug terms there, but you see the ego death, right? They start being like, oh, I don't understand nearly as much as I thought I understood. I better study up more. And then, honestly, those students who who hit that wall. They are like my best performers in the end. They Absolutely. need that. They yeah. have to be shown that not everything is as simple as they think. It's so much easier in a classroom to have that too, right? Because, you know, teachers that don't have that, you know, have that more hermetically sealed, this is what the book is saying, this is it. If you're not, it, the thing is, if something is easy, either way, the way I always look at it, I worked at a shop that did, um, specialized you know we specialized in electrical work and i swear to you every single job that i came in that that came in very rarely was it the simple answer because if it was simple the other three idiots that they took it if it's a burnt out bulb nine times out of ten any shop that you take it to is going to be able to figure it out but we always got the i've had it i've i took the whole thing apart myself three times which half the time usually makes things extensively worse, worse. yeah uh, or i've ta i've taken it to three or four different shops now we actually need a proper diagnosis and that was it was it was good in a sense because um you 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 definitely learn to 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 operate at a, at a higher level of, of diagnostic skill but uh there was lots of times where i would overlook some basic things because, oh, it can't be that. I mean, if, if we have it here, obviously someone would have figured that out already. And early on, that burnt me a couple of times, you know, whether it's, you know, there's there's been times where a guy was ready to make a call on a, a, a large component. And then it's like, well, let me let me actually do a visual inspection. Let me look at some terminals. And you take something apart and all of a sudden a terminal pulls out right in your hand. And you're like, okay, there's a problem. It's a 29 cent thing, not a, you know, a new gauge cluster, for instance. You know, it's it, some sometimes it's, it, it, that's where the process is so critical. If you don't have a plan, if you don't have a roadmap, you're going to get lost every single time. Absolutely. 100%. And I teach, honestly, all I do is I teach the fundamentals. That's the, that's the important thing. Um, so many times, like, look, I'm like, as a professor, I only get paid for the amount of time I'm standing in the shop teaching. So when I show up an, an hour early for class to, to prep my labs, they, like I don't, I don't get paid for that. Right. Commit. So I look, f yeah, I, 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 well, you know what? And I'm like, I don't want to sound, um, uh, greedy or anything. I'm actually quite well paid, uh, on an hourly basis. It's just, they don't give me any, uh, you know, any hours. Extra. Oh yeah. She's a government institution. You got, you're, you're there for what you're there. They're not paying. Exactly. So I look for efficient spots to create faults in the cars for the students to, uh, work with. And honestly, as teacher, I can keep them busy for about an hour and a half by pulling the the like the power window fuse yeah. and putting it one spot down. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And they, I've I've seen that. <laughs> I've seen or the have you ever done the cut half of the fuse, like one leg of the fuse off? Is that that been one that you've gone to yet? No, one of my coworkers is much more slick than that. He went out to the beauty supply store. He picked up silver, uh, like chrome silver, like metallic uh, nail polish. And he puts the, the, the silver nail polish on one leg of the fuse. 
<laughs> and so when you pull the fuse, it looks mint. Oh, what a monster. That is such a dick move it, because then you test both sides of the fuse, right? The, the old test slide method, and you got power on both sides. But then, you know, then the next available point on that circuit that you can test is behind the fuse box. And you'll have yeah. to unbolt half the dash to get to or like in the taillight wiring loom. And so you're like, OK, I have power at the fuse. I don't have power at the hill light wiring loom and now the, the student is like pulling their hair yep. it's so yeah he is that. diabolical That's with terrible. that terrible be ashamed uh-huh. of himself i love it <laughs> but but honestly like uh, especially my this group the program that we built because they're not comfortable with these things we can't throw them that many curveballs so like honestly misplacing a fuse um putting a much smaller fuse in and then uh, actuating whatever it was so that the fuse blows um those are all like very easy ways to trick the student and it's not you know i say trick but it's all like because if they followed the diagnostic plan that we built together right i helped them absolutely if they were to follow it they would be perfectly fine but the thing is that they have ideas of where the problem could be and that makes them go on this wild goose chase which is awesome because then they learn to stick with the fundamentals. You, you get that. And I'm guilty of that too. You get that target fixation, you know, you you've seen and it goes the other way, right? Because as you get more experience, as you spend more time in the shop, Oh, I've seen 10 of these vehicles this week with the exact same concern. I'm, you know, I'm going to go right to it. And it's amazing how a person can convince themselves that, you know, you, you look at the testing, you look at, at at what data that you have in front of you. No, that's wrong. I can't. Be. How can it be? I've seen the same thing 10 times and it's been X, Y, and Z. How can it be this? How can it be this? And if if you don't go back to bases, if you don't, you know, the, the biggest thing when I was was trained, I was fortunate enough to, to be in a, a good shop, was the, the wiring diagram, having that competency, being able to understand you know, what does this circuit need? What does it have? Why doesn't it have it or does it has it? Why is it not executing what it needs to do? And I, I think once you get that, I'm not saying that it's easy. I think once you get that, it makes the whole process so, so much easier. Oh, yeah, 100%. I use very similar terms to like what you're using to explain even like the level one, two, and three. Like it's all... It's all the same. I mean, for example, some people get really confused on like things that are controlled by PCM or computer uh, mm. for the layperson. Where it's like, well, look, if your relay is controlled by the computer, so you follow the the wire with your finger. Like I literally tell them, like follow with your finger. Where does it go? Highlight. And so, okay, one side, okay, this is a ground. Well, well, so if that side goes to ground, what do you need on a, on a load to turn on a load? And they say, uh, 12 volts and ground. I said, okay, so follow the other side. And they say, oh, it goes to the computer. I don't know how it works. But it's like, okay, but you have ground. And what do you need again? They say 12 volts and ground. I was like, okay, so the computer must be giving. Oh, I don't know what the computer does. Like, okay, follow, follow along with me. You got this. It's just you're, you're, you think it's more complicated than it really is. What do you need? 12 volts and ground. You've got ground. So what must the computer give? 
what? It can't be 12 volts. Yes, it can. <laughs> it is that simple. This is, you know, people need to to get out of their, their mindsets that it's so complicated. It's not complicated, man. Like um, a relay, a load is a load is a load is a load. I don't care Absolutely. if it's controlled by a computer, by your left foot or, you know, by your middle finger. It still needs 12 volts in a ground. That's it. It's a fancy switch, baby. It's just bazillions of fancy little switches. And somehow <laughs> human beings have been able to do incredible things with them but but yeah when you when you boil it down to it you know even um you know getting into more complex diagonal you know when you're dealing with communication issues get you know you get an oscilloscope out and you think it's like it's a ouija board and some you're summoning demons it's like no dude i don't know what the hell is going on here i just want to see is there squiggles on there that indicate that something is going on because that tells me a lot more then you you know what I mean? Like I'm not I'm not trying no. to 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 oh what is this bit of data saying to this? It doesn't matter. I don't care. Is there squiggles? Does it look like it's supposed to look? Okay, let's move on and and move to something else. But I don't think it definitely is not taught in the at the dealership level. You know, being able to um, interpret um, uh, signaling data, but it's 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 really not that. You, you, in in the basic sense of, of, of being a mechanic and doing diagnostic, you just got to figure out, it's like playing with 21 questions. If you take a problem and you break it down into small enough chunks, you could basically answer it with yes or no questions and get to the get to where you need to be. I mean, that's how your PCM uh, communicates with yeses and nos, zeros there. and ones, just a lot of them strung up together. YouTube, that's it. telephones, technology, incredible. <laughs> yeah, all all made from compressing little bits of sand with impurities. Isn't it's that crazy? Wild, you know, there's there is, and I th I think human beings are real guilty of like not appreciating like how how far we've come. I mean, for better or worse, it's incredible what we're doing with technology. I don't want to get too caught up in in you know human endeavor over nature, but we took rocks and we are like doing shit with them that is mind blowing. I mean, you're, you're thinking uh, uh, that, the, you know, trans, uh, you're, you're into computers um, and you're talking about transistor density. It's something the size of a postage stamp that can have, you know, a million, uh, 10 million, a billion different transistors. That, that's crazy that we can operate and we can cr produce something on such a small level. And not only that, you can produce something on such a literal, you know, microscopic level and have it to be reliable enough to where we basically trust our lives to it. It's, it's really pretty amazing what we've been able to accomplish in not that long of a time. I mean, I was born in 1990 and the technology, the, the early technology that I can remember is, you know, it's something that you get in a, like a, <laughs> a McDonald's toy nowadays. It's crazy how far and how fast we've come. So the uh, latest and greatest uh, AMD Ryzen 9 7950X for those nerds listening at home. Um, and by the way, you're in good company. Uh, Junk from work and I are both computer nerds, so don't worry about it. Nerding it up, absolutely. Um, but there are uh, 13.14 billion transistors inside of each one of those chips. B billion with a B. With a B. You can fit that in your hand. The oh, yeah. You can fit several of them in your hand. It, it, it's, it's crazy. It, you know, it's something I, I still, um, I had a, a friend of mine that went through uh, our, at least in British Columbia, our third year training for automotive tech 
technology was was electrical and we went into semiconductors a little bit and i said i said pull your phone out man i said because we went through these these pn junctions the you know transistors and and a little bit of uh-huh. the you know how how semiconductors are manufactured i said he's like well what is he's like i don't understand this he's like where like where is this useful like what is the use here i said dude pull your phone out i said probably there's you know there's probably a hundred million of these pn junctions in your pocket right now and he's like no i'm like dude look it up i mean it is crazy how <laughs> like you you really can't wrap your mind around how large of a number something like that is i mean it, you get a little bit uh you know it almost doesn't feel real how, what we're able to do uh, you know it's, it's funny how human beings can can do something so incredible so intricate and then on the other side of of our existence do just continually be the stupidest things on the planet it, it really is a dichotomy for for human beings Absolutely. And uh, I just looked it up because I, I was interested. Um, but the triple five timer, which is very uh, well known for, you know, it's a ubiquity in electronics. Um, it itself was, you know, invented in 1971. And it has 25 transistors inside of it. <laughs> and two diodes. So there's two more PN junctions there. there. So That's... 25 transistors. And look at what you can do with just that. You know, and that's, I, know. I remember I read a little bit about, I think it actually might've been an elect, it was a book, it wasn't called Simple Electronics, but it was like Easy Electronics Projects. I thought it was a book that you had written, but apparently not. Um, and, I'll take and, your money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it actually talked a little bit about the history. I, I think it, if I remember correctly, the first year of production of the 555 timer chip, and this is in the early 70s. The the only uh, the only entity that was purchasing was the U.S. military, and when they started manufacturing them, they were produ- they were selling them. I, I believe it was two or three thousand dollars at that time per chip, compared to wow. today, where you could buy, you know, you could fill the Titanic with probably like fourteen bucks to get you know, <laughs> how far we've come and, and and i think it said by the by the end of you know three or four years later they were down to fifty dollars mind you fifty dollars in in 1978 is a lot of money but compared to thousands of dollars but it shows you how significant of a uh advancement uh you know semiconductors really really are i mean it is incredible how much it is it's something so on the surface, so simple has changed our world entirely. Oh, oh, 100%. And I feel so left out because I'm like, <laughs> well, be, because, you know, I've been, I've had this like goal of learning programming and, you know, learning some electronics engineering on my own. And it's sad because I just don't have the time or energy, like when I have to try to support myself. So, these young punk kids, they got it so good. They can learn all the electrical engineering that they want. They have no idea what it is. <laughs> I I would love to go back to school for it. I don't know if I have the aptitude for it these days. I feel like uh, my brain is like mush these days. I, you know, it's probably only because I'm not getting any uh, much sleep because of uh, work. But I don't know, man. Uh, you got to wish so to, to and that industry changes so quick. It, it, it is amazing. Oh, yeah. To think like somebody wakes up pours themselves a cup of coffee i'm having some porridge this morning 
and then I'm going to go into work and design something that has a billion transistors in it. Somebody out there right now is living your dream. I know. Lots of people. I mean, I, so I live in Ottawa. We graduate a ton of engineers here. Um, mind you, they don't work here anymore oh, because right, the uh, yeah, absolutely the brain drains. Yeah, well, they go work elsewhere. Uh, I don't know about the states, but definitely not in Ottawa because yeah. Ottawa used to be a tech hub. Uh, but BlackBerry's gone, and Corel used to be up here. Does Corel still exist? I don't even know. The like the dishes that don't shatter. I don't even know what Corel is. Corel, like uh, you've never heard of uh, Corel Word Perfect or Corel Draw? Oh yeah, that's right. That's whew. Somebody's showing their age. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I'm although I'm not that much older than you. You just, you were born in 1990. I'm I'm an 88 baby. That's those two years though were were those were significant years. Yeah, significant years. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there used to be tech up here. Um, I think the the only thing that I know that's that's big here is. Um, do you ever play RimWorld? The game? Uh, no, I haven't. There's some low hanging fruit there that I'm going to leave. Uh, no, I've, I've, I feel I've heard of it, but I don't. It, it's like an open world deal, sort of, with people yeah. doing stuff. That it's a, it's with. a fantastic game. I would check it out if I were you. It's an, it's an indie game, but it's uh one of those indie games that are often quoted as uh, some of the best games of all I time. I only play indie games. Uh, yeah. What is it? Called? Rimworld. Rimworld. Yeah. I'm sure uh, I've heard of it actually. So the the developer uh, is an Ottawan. I think that's what we call ourselves. He lives in Ottawa, and uh, so one of the branches of his uh, game studio is here. So, but other than that, man, my Steam wish list. <laughs> I didn't know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So other than that, Ottawa is just the uh, the city that fun forgot because. Uh, Montreal being so close and Toronto being reasonably close, um, Ottawa gets forgotten. Yeah, those strip clubs. Um, you know, I, I, was re- I think it was on CBC Radio. Believe it or not, something that I do listen listen to occasionally when I'm in a dentist's office. Um, they were talking about Canada because we've had such a, I guess we'll put it odd, uh, real estate bubble for the last like two decades. Uh, they're, they're saying that a lot of a lot of um, industries it was they gave an example there was a, a, a gentleman i guess of asian descent and he wanted to open a, a a factory to produce noodles in canada and he went to three or four banks and they literally didn't have the the underwriting ability the skill to to look at his business plan and because he obviously needed funding and they weren't able to to fund it um but I, let's let's throw a number let's say it was 10 million dollars um, the expert that they had, he had on, you know, they were, they were talking to said if he was looking to do a $10 million real estate development project, it would have been, uh, immediately approved with no issues. And I think that's something that, that I've, I've seen personally is that the economy in Canada is so driven by, uh, our, our strong housing market that we kind of forgot how to make things and how to build value outside of our homes. It's, it's such a weird um, you know, so, something that's just so innocuous is like where you sleep at night has now become this huge booming business in this country. And it, and it, I think it does take away a lot of the innovation that you're talking about, especially in bigger 
you know, bigger centers. How, you know, how can I go to Ver- uh, Vancouver to try and make it in tech? You, you got to make $200,000 a year to live in a shoebox down there. there. There's no way that you can, you can attract people that are uh, creative thinkers or, or risk takers or somebody that's, that's starting from, from ground zero because they just can't make it in a lot of these bigger cities where they have the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to interact with people that, that might be able to, to take it to the next level, you know, whether it's education, technology, et cetera. It, it is interesting how, how our, um, the diversity in the Canadian economy has really been, or I feel, at least I feel, anyways, has been eroded over the, the past couple decades. I I agree, and um, just for the viewers listening, uh, when when Junk from Work says you need to have two hundred thousand dollars to live in a shoebox, um, he means to rent a shoebox. My apologies. Yeah, you're there's not buying no, a shoebox for two hundred. Yeah, there's no way you're going to buy um, even like a five hundred square foot condo. With a two hundred thousand dollar salary Not in Vancouver, there's yeah. no, there's no way you could. You'd be house poor. It's a beautiful city, but for me, it's it's just definitely something that I, I actually had a friend of mine who moved down there. I, uh, I actually moved to a larger center for about a year. I ended up moving back for a lot of the same reasons. But anyways, he was living in Vancouver, and he ended up coming back to Northern British Columbia. And one thing that he took away, he's like, I, I can't believe how hard people have to work just to survive. He's like, he's like, he's like, everybody's happy because they have no time to think about anything other than work and going home. I guess he's like, there's, there's no, there's no free time. There's nothing. You know, you're, you're, you're in your mid thirties and you have to live with four other people to be able to to live in a city. I don't know. For me, it, it ain't worth it. I'm just gonna, you know, wring my hands of it, and then a couple of times a year I'll go down and visit, but. Yeah, it's it's really tough. I, I have a lot of sympathy for people that are 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 trying to make it normal working stiffs like you and I to go make it in pretty well. Any large city in Canada right now is really really tough. Absolutely, and you know what? I wouldn't even consider myself a working stiff anymore. I'm trying to organize my life to work more, uh, to work fewer hours, but more towards what I want to work on versus what I don't want to. They've asked me a couple times to come back full time at the shop, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not interested Good for you. I love I, it. Um, you know, our, our, mm, how much could I say without it being considered? Uh, is it slander when you say something or is it libel? Whatever. Um, say as much as you want to me. I have. Yeah. Literally- <laughs> so, ma- but management is first of all, they're saying that they've been looking to hire for the last six months or so. And I say, you know what? I get emails all the freaking time with job offers. If you guys are offering what I'm making as a salary at this place, there's no way you're going to hire anybody. Absolutely. There's just, there's zero way. There's no way. And they, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we'll find someone. We always do. And it's like, okay, but it's been six months and we don't have anyone. And they used to rely on the, you know, the comfortable dealership life, quote unquote, right? Yeah. But there is no such thing because warranty times have been driven into the ground. Um, the cars need more warranty attention than they ever have. Like, I think, uh, I, I think uh, uh, Honda as a brand, because I, for those listening, I work at a Honda dealership. 
they they have gone downhill. They are down to pinching pennies. I mean, they have a collab car with uh, GM coming out shortly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can we talk about how – just quickly changing gears. I'm only going to say this for two seconds. You know, GM and Ford try to work together to build the transmission. General Motors says, you know who I'm going to go to? I'm done with you, Ford. You know who knows transmissions? Honda. And they said, let's get together and make this absolute disaster. That I don't know what they're going to call it. But anyways, I, I apologize. But yeah, I, I, I can't believe that that business deal is going. It's If you would have, yeah. if you would have told me that 15 years ago, I would have called you a liar. Well, that's, that's to me, it's just as silly as the world's foremost engine manufacturer teaming up with the world's foremost transmission manufacturer <laughs> making a car that uses the engine from the transmission people right. and the transmission from the engine people what is wrong with you i don't know i i, <laughs> I, I thought it was like look at the calendar no it's not april fools did i get hit in the head like what am i concussed and apparently it is actually a thing that they're doing i i used to be a, a big general motors fan growing up but just like most things it's it, it's uh I don't know. Hopefully these Chinese cars are good because what yeah, too, right I now, so I don't, <laughs> things are getting pretty bad. But just to be clear, I you know, you're talking about the, the, the GM and Honda thing. I'm talking about the freaking BRZ and FRS. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Literally, Subaru makes the best four-wheel drive transmissions that you could ever think of. And Toyota makes the most reliable engines. And for whatever reason, they're using a Toyota transmission with a subaru engine those are the sweetest cars ever if you don't know anything about cars i'll tell you right now i uh, was going to buy one when it was announced i was going to buy one until i found out it had a boxer engine and mcpherson struts pass you know it, and the thing with that too is so toyota because basically subaru is toyota for those who don't know i mean they have a controlling share the majority of the even the service information now is very similar but um, one thing that always used to piss us off because I, I don't know, I'm assuming you're dealing with the, does, uh, Honda, do you, do they use a single set of injectors for their direct injection system or they have two? No single. The, the, I think the dual, I think is only uh Toyota for the moment. Uh, Ford uses it on their EcoBoost actually. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, so, so Ford's doing something of the same century was, as Varian. Yeah, exactly. They, they came into the, still everything solid axle. But anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, the, the only, so the, the Toyota, um, the, it's the basic, the two and a half liter that's in every other Subaru just about. But Toyota put in uh, a second set of injectors because Subaru has been dealing with, with carbon issues um, because Whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody yeah, well, has. Everybody's been dealing with carbon issues. And yeah, Toyota, but Toyota would not license the technology to put it on the rest of the line. So there, if, if you do get a BRZ, you're getting that one that's the best Subaru engine going because it was uh, fixed by Toyota. I was, I'm willing to look past the fact that it has a Subaru engine instead of like some i don't know uh, just like a camry 3.5 would have been amazing in that car but they say it's like supposed to be this handling track car and they're using mcpherson strut come on man short long army bro i'm ready for it everybody's that's what i always say i have a t-shirt that says that <laughs> do you really no i don't <laughs> Okay, because trunk, you know there are some T-shirts like that. So. I would imagine. I would imagine the trunks also leak like a, a bastard. Just FYI, they had a lot of issues where the they were coming full of Japanese rainwater. 
So look, I man, I work at Honda, so and I cut my teeth um, lubricating seals on Del Sols. So don't tell me about water leaks. Sols, yeah, the the import manufacturer. But yeah, Honda. I don't know, man. Honda has really. I, I feel that bed. they've really changed a lot. Yeah, I'm not really too blown away by their their engine offerings and 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 things like that. They're, they're, they've basically become a bloated North American manufacturer now. Well, that's because most of the car is North American. Exactly. The uh, 17 up Civic, the whole undercarriage. Now, uh, don't you know? I guess I should say this with a. In my opinion, uh, it just looks like the whole undercarriage is a Magna International part. So it's the exact same, you know, like control arms and knuckles and uh, struts and shocks and, and stuff like that, that Mazda and Ford have been using since like the Protégé 5 or whatever. Absolutely. Um, Garbage. <laughs> so I believe it's just a prefab, you know, in the same way you get a prefab home. Yeah. Um, I believe Honda's like, yeah, this is the Civic. This is how much it weighs. This is how sporty we want it. You got something, and Magna International's got. I got you, fam. We got so, it. Same brakes, same um, like same compound in the the pads. I don't know if you remember from your Ford days, the rear rotors would rust to crap all the time. Well, in 2017, our Hondas got Ford brake problems because they're using the same brake pads. We had to do a a service update and throw all those brake pads away because they're junk. (laughs) Now, okay, I'm going to throw in, because I I saw this, and I don't know if it's anecdotal or if it's, so because we were the only Subaru dealership and within like a 600, 700 kilometer radius, we got pretty well every Subaru and for the most part import uh, coming through our doors. Did you find that the JDM vehicles, the Japanese built vehicles, the vehicles that were sold in Japan for their age were in significantly better shape than their supposedly identical North American counterparts? Uh, we, I didn't get to see a lot of Japanese domestic JDM. market vehicles. At least with Subaru, for some reason, and, I, and it, it could be the mentality. I mean, I got a lot of respect for the Japanese people. They are incredible. You know, they're probably down there waxing and buffing their frame rails. But you get like, you know, an early 2000s uh, Forester XT that was imported from uh, Japan. Actually, that's, I think actually one of my one the, of, uh, turbocharged one for those of you listening. I actually have a video. A friend of mine bought one that was imported from Japan. And you look underneath and it is completely clean underneath. And the equivalent North American one it's it's just a, actually a Ziploc bag with some flakes inside of it for $12,000 because there is absolutely nothing left. I don't know. It, it just, it, it, even uh, uh, a more recent, more newer manufactured vehicles apparently is the same thing. I haven't seen it firsthand, but I just thought that was a bit of an interesting thing, whether they're using different materials or... or it might be ownership too, because don't that's, forget, that's it, Japan right? has public transit that works. So when you have a car in Japan, um, it's a little bit of a luxury. Like it's not like here in Canada, driving is a you know it, it's a it's a it's a privilege still, but there's still a, a, like a necessity to it for a lot of people. Not as much as in the states, I would say, because in the states there's large swaths of areas that I don't think they can spell the word bus. Um, I guess that's notwithstanding, but, uh, <laughs> you know, here, here in Canada, it's, it's a necessity 
for a lot of people. But in places like Asia and in places like Europe, it's a lot less. I mean, I remember being 16. Uh, geez, that's a long time ago now. But all of the people that were my age, we were all hyped about getting our driver's licenses. You know, it's yeah. finally you can drive, get freedom, you know. It's not like that everywhere around the world, I'm pretty sure. I'm kind of envious of it, actually, to be honest with you. Actually, I went to uh, Europe for the first time since the last time we spoke, actually. And uh, it was it, it, definitely the relationship with... with the, the thing that really blew me away was... is I, I was in Greece, actually. And North America is really not that much older than the automobile. You know what I mean? It is, but it's it really our, 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 we haven't really been going at it hard, you know, since, since the vehicle was, was, was a part of our, uh, our, our culture, you know, what we are. And we've basically designed our whole world around the automobile. And you go to Europe, you go, you know, I was in Greece and it's the complete opposite. They lived for hundreds of years and, in, in you know, normal civilized world that would be recognizable to us today without a vehicle. And now, you know, obviously times change and they're trying to play catch up, right? They're, they're trying to make, um, make it work in cities that were never designed to. And it really, you know, it, it kind of, in a way, like I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of driving even to be honest with you. Like I, I could take it or leave it. I find it's, you know, even vehicle ownership, it's like, Oh, great. I got to spend how much for this piece of crap that's going to let me down. Oops. Buy an old Volvo. Yeah, exactly. I guess if you can find them, uh, it'd be so refreshing to have some options, you know. And that's that's one thing I wish that we had in this country. But I, I just it's not tenable. I don't think we ever see that in Canada. No, I don't think so either. And uh, there's knock-on effects because the fact is, sometimes I get cars into my bay with like the wheel bearings just falling out of her, and. People are like, I'm sorry, I can only afford the oil change. Maybe I'll come back after payday, but I need my car to work. And they just drive off. Oh, yeah. With, and, you know, they're among us. Yeah. They drive beside your grandma on the highway, these people. And I, I'm i a big believer in personal responsibility. Um, but at the same time, I do know that there are some social factors to that. If you can't afford... If you if your car breaks down and you can't feed your family because of it, that is a societal problem more so than a personal problem. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we have a bus system here. I know because I pay, pay freaking property taxes and it's something like, uh, let's say, two-fifths of the property taxes I pay go to our freaking transit system, which blows. Empty all the time and it completely sucks. Yeah, it is. It's... it's uh real chicken in the egg type of uh, type of scenario. I, I think, you know, I think the, um, a lot of the ride sharing services and stuff like that, that are getting a little bit more popular in a way of, you know, levering, te leveraging technology, I think is a really uh, good option for, you know, especially people that are living in cities, they're having a hard time making it as is. Um, but I think, I think that we'll see a lot more of that in the future where, where a vehicle, you know, in, in, in that scenario where somebody's, it, you know, there's no emotional attachment. It's not like they're, they're, they're a delivery driver. I mean, it's, it's a tool to get them from point A to point B, you know, it's the old saying smart money rents, right? So to have that easily, you know, I can pick it up, I can use it for when I need it and then I don't have to deal with any of the headaches associated with it. I think is a good thing. I think actually electric vehicles will, will help 
um, that model work a lot better as well. Dude, I'm so ready to stop going to the gas station. <laughs> it's it's annoying. It's first okay. First of all, people listening, if you don't live in a cold climate, you don't understand. Let me just put it that way. You yeah. do not understand minus forty wind blowing, and you gotta pump gas and. And it's so cold. You have a loyalty card? No, no, my loyalty card. Nobody's collected air miles since 1993. Cancel, cancel, cancel. I'm wearing gloves for God's sakes. I can't barely use this. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely striking a chord. There's nothing yep. worse. Nothing. Yep. And the thing is, all you, um, you know, freedom lovers, uh, in one form or another, if you if you like uh, self reliance. What about freaking solar panels? You got a roof, you can fill it with solar panels, you can charge your car for free. The modern uh, EVs, electric vehicles, you can even power your house in the case of a power outage from your car. If you if you want independence, you want to not have to rely on anybody else. That means that you want green energy, you want electric cars, trust me. Dave Jones was actually uh basically is driving a solar powered car. He's talked about that lots. He's quite a he is. advocate for solar. I think it's, I think it's, you know, I'm one of the few people in, in my industry and it's not a lot of people are, are very pro electric car. Um, I, I think, you know, and, and we talked about this cause I generally am a little bit more conservative, I would say than you, but um, definitely, <laughs> you know, the, the one thing like uh, not that long ago, I think California just passed the legislation that they want to ban sales of gasoline powered vehicles is it was it 2030 or 2035 something like i think i think they're 2030 and we're in canada i think it's 2035 2035 right and you know you 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 can talk to your blue in the face whether you know you're pro or against that but the thing that i would have liked to see and i and i talked about this is if they're wanting to pass legislation pass something that's more consumer focus and i'll give you an example instead of you know we're going to say okay you have to drive an electric vehicle by this time xyz they need to get all the manufacturers on the same page of this is the form factor that we are going to use we are going to use this type of technology we're going to use these type of cells you know the same way that they they everybody got together with the um you know the odb2 uh, what was that, 1996, 1997, and everybody got on the same page early enough to where overall it's a pretty ubiquitous system. It's pretty good. The The big fear that I have with electric vehicles is that technology is going to be changing, especially now with, with you know, we're still very, very early in in, in our adaptation of, of the technology. You're going to see a lot of, of incremental improvements. And I'm a little bit worried about, you know, future availability for, for components and, um, and maybe a little bit of backwards compatibility. Whereas, you know, I think right now we need to look at, you know, how can we create a, whether it's a cell or a technology or however we want to do it, that, that works for the industry as a whole, and we can advance it all together as opposed to, you know, one company is going to go this direction. One company is going to go that direction because at the end of the day, you know, the reality is, we, we, you know, it's better for everybody if we're all working together to, to, to drive the, the technology forward. But that's that's just something that I, I think if, if they're going to start passing legislation for electric vehicles, look at it more as, you know, long term. If this is going to be our, our long term 
mode of transportation, like how can we make this as sustainable and as customer focused as possible? I, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and unfortunately we have to do it via legislation because Absolutely. asking them to play nicely with each other is chance. never going to work. And, and that's, that's one, you know, that's a scenario where I fully support that. I think, <clears throat> you know, these, these big companies are going to, you know, innovate for the sake of innovation and the environmental, you know, could you imagine if there was, you know, if we had, let's say, uh, let's just throw, we have three uh, battery packs available. We have a, a given size for a compact vehicle, for a midsize vehicle, and for a pickup. Or we have, let's say we go the other direction, we make them all, you know, one foot by one foot or... Yeah, or modules. Modules, right? I want it, modules. It, modules is the best. Everybody gets on the same page. We're all manufacturing the same thing. You get the economy of scale. You get the 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 ability to, uh, you know, say, hey, like, you know, I don't know if, you, if you know, you're a big cordless fan, but Ryobi has been using the same... Um, battery pack shape and connector for the last 20 years it would be great if electric vehicles were using basically the same interface on their on their battery technology and then as the technology as the cells get better as as the internal chemistry improves we'll be able to actually take some of these vehicles and put the new technology in it and and make them uh you know more more sustainable and and get rid of that because that's always the thing, right? Any, anybody who's opposed to the electric vehicle, they talk about, well, all oh, the batteries are only good for six years and this and that. And, and when they're done, they're done. It, oh, it, let me let me put that to rest. So in cars, energy density is king. Outside of cars, uh, energy capacity, it doesn't matter the density. Because what happens is when these batteries get old, these cells, they get old. They now use them on solar and wind farms. There you go. In these buildings to to store energy from when there's too much, like when the sun is shining and, and nobody's using their uh, AC, you know, during the middle of the day to distribute it during the night. And so uh, lithium cells, which are now lasting roughly 10 to 15 years in uh, a modern EV, incredible. they get another 10 years of use at reduced capacity, but it doesn't matter because if you're just stacking them underneath the solar panels, it doesn't matter how much it weighs. Who cares? Exactly. It's not, you're not, you're not looking for the portability. You're not looking for the energy density. Yeah, exactly. That's a great, see, that's a great program. And I think, I think the government would be better served uh, pushing legislation to help, you know, and, and right now is such, is such a perfect time because you, you know, we know what's coming. The, the industry is changing rapidly and we're at a at a point in history right now where I feel we wish we would have done something to, uh, you know, encourage, you know, you can't just say, okay, well, yeah, we're going to, everybody's driving electric cars, but then not think of, okay, what is the long-term effects? How can we get the absolute most amount of, you know, everybody said, well, we're, you know, there's a finite amount of lithium. What are we going to do when it runs out? Well, let's use these batteries as much as we can. I think that's a great system. That that's fantastic. And and I hope that's that things like that continue to scale up. Oh yeah. I'm all for modules. I want modules. Yeah. I want to uh, be able to um you know hit a disconnect in the car, lift the car up on a hoist, um, but not necessarily need a hoist. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, this is how we work. Um, you know, unbolt four bolts and pull the damn thing down 
and it should be light enough to handle from by one person. Each module should be light enough for one person to handle on their own, have little carry handles on the top, and have a simple procedure to like clean the contacts and whatever on it. Absolutely. Uh, and install into another car or into your house, you know, energy storage, uh, whatever. And then, you know, what it what what I think it should do should have just a little module in it, not very expensive to build a standard where when you uh, put a new module in, it tells the system, this is the amount of cells I have. So therefore, this is the voltage I need from you. And this is the amount of capacity I have available from you. And then the car's computer will just add that all up. And that's it. It's super simple. Yeah, you're 100% right. The the industry, it needs that. I think in, in, I, I, I don't think we'll see it. But I think the the ease at which, you know, as a civilization that we ad- adopt the electric car, I think more thought going into what the future of it looks like right now is, is so critical. And I don't, I don't see it. I see a lot of, a lot of stuff is done with, with grandeur and we're going to, you know, we're going to make a big production about all oh, of these electric vehicles. And usually the people that the, the sad part is the people that are making the legislation have absolutely zero idea of any type and i mean fair enough i don't know anything about politics and you know i'm not i'm not expected to right i'm a mechanic but it's a shame that the people that are making the laws aren't privy they're not they're not uh they, they don't have enough insight to really see what needs to be done going forward well the problem is they ask for that insight from industry experts but those <laughs> industry experts they work for ford they work for gm they work for dodge and you can't ask a corporation how they would like to be legislated you can't that's stupid no that's like me getting caught for like stealing and then the police officer is like okay so (laughs) if you were in my position how would you handle this you know what i mean that doesn't work you can't do that you gotta keep it accountable right and and the thing is it's not like they have an issue with you know imposing industry-wide safety or you know fuel economy standards i mean we lost as a society we lost pop-up headlamps but i know somehow we can't get on the same page with the electric vehicle i mean really it is a shame i'm so upset the nsx looked so much better with the pop-ups man those were so, that was what a time to be alive that was not the- like i can afford an nsx anyways I'm kidding dude i just i want to i want to i know we've been ranting a little bit i just want to talk about something sad before before we end um when i was young so young buck loving the honda product right absolutely i I dreamt of um basically at the time you could buy from an acura dealership you can buy uh, an integra type r crate engine basically full engine Mm -hmm. and they weren't all that expensive they're you know brand new from the dealer they were they were about 11 grand which is which was a lot for 16 17 18 year old me um but not that expensive Doable. These days, I got the itch. I just, I just went look. I just went poking around because there are these. Uh, for those who don't know, there's these Japanese importers, which import these low mileage engines uh, in massive containers from Japan, and you can pick up like uh, because of the emissions over there. You need an engine rebuild at sixty thousand kilometers or something like that. Um, but so, anyways, these engines come over. And you can buy them fairly inexpensively and you can pop them in a Civic and turn a Civic into something that will just absolutely paint a smile in your fa- on your face, right? Um, not anymore. They're gone. Uh, it's, 
it's 2022. The last time the uh, the Integra Type R engine was in production for this generation that I'm that I'm thinking of was 2001. So I am old. It's been over 20 years. Those engines are gone. So my idea of preserving a little bit of Honda's history close to me is over. It's gone. You cannot get them anymore. Well, you can get them, but they're they're extremely expensive. Any, they've they've really done a good job of uh, capitalizing on our uh, any anything that you know, like childhood nostalgia. Man, there's huge money in in nostalgia. You know, (laughs) like. Disney owns the Simpsons for God's sakes. I mean, have you ever thought that would be, but uh, yeah, even, you know, even the, now all of a sudden everybody's realizing that a lot of these nineties, you know, Japanese import vehicles, the, you know, your, your NSX is your, um, I mean, name them, right. Your, your Nissan Skylines. They, they, they've all been completely, it's crazy. You cannot touch them. The, the market is so skewed. And if you do find one, the thing has been chopped up and cut up and completely oh, yeah. destroyed. You know, if, if you own one, if you're out there and you own a classic or somewhat classic 90s, 2000s Japanese sports car, for the love of God, for everything that's holy, leave it alone. Do not and, do anything to it. And insure it very well. Yes. Go get it. Go get it appraised because you'll be surprised. Uh, I'd say an Integra Type R imported from uh, like a 98 spec imported from uh, Japan. So right-hand drive sitting in Canada, licensed, plated, everything. Um, you're probably looking at 50 Gs. Holy smokes. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, frack. You yeah. buy car for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, wild. It's expensive. Uh, the S two thousands, not even the imported ones from yep. uh, Japan. Uh, they're again, they're like twenty five grand and up, yep. and they have like three hundred thousand kilometers at this point. What at that price point? It is ridiculous. Um, I mean, my little CRX. I wish I could yep. tell you what it's worth because I haven't seen one for sale on the used uh, on like Kijiji or, or Craigslist. I haven't seen one for sale for like the last three years. I don't even know what it's worth. It's like priceless at this point. And I think too, you know, as we, you know, as we go forward, like even the novelty of a manual transmission vehicle, people are willing to pay because you, you really, they're getting super difficult to find now, you know, And and you think now in 15, 20 years time when, you know, traditional gasoline powered vehicles are are not are more of a novelty they're they're not really what we're buying and using every day what these vehicles are going to be worth right like what like a hemi cuda compared to you know a, a modern electric vehicle it literally may as well be a spaceship it's so di- it's so different it's so it's such a different motoring experience than you know what we deal with every day so i have here okay i found in montreal okay was in a montreal. crx okay what's that it's always in Montreal. They always get the. I know. Intro. I don't know why. So it, this is a, a CRX. What what year? What year? Uh, Ninety one CRX. So mine is a eighty nine. Same. Yeah. Um, it has aftermarket hood with hood pins. It's no, got I, aftermarket I, rims. There's not I'm a single straight right panel. Now. What's that? I'm picturing it right now, baby. Spray can. Exhaust oh, yeah. oh. off. 
You know what? We we have the technology. I'm just sending you the link in the chat there. Um, so it has a uh, Integra GSR engine, right? <laughs> it's the color that I imagined it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's been beat, right? Oh, um, Poor thing. And yeah, it's been beat to hell. And he wants 10 <laughs> Gs for it. 500 bucks? No. Yeah. What? Yeah. Dude, they they don't exist. That's, That's and it's it's rusty. Yeah. Um. Okay. There's got no carpet. There's no interior in it. The seats are like been chewed oh, up and spat man. back out. He's got the high flow intake, cold air intake though, and the high flow cat, which means he just took a sawzall to everything. Beautiful yeah. car, really. <laughs> it's a shame what he's done to it. Oh man, yeah. I used to love these. Oh, and. So mine is an 89. Uh, it's uh, Phoenix yellow. It's the original color. Sunroof works, everything. It's American, so it has 43,000 miles on it. That's it. Retirement plan, baby. So, yeah, I mean, at the, at this point, uh, I'm probably going to have to sell it. I don't have much, uh, well, don't have much choice at this yeah, point. But I, That's it, man. You, you know, at, at some point, you got to say, like, well, hey, listen, I, I got bills. Like, it's a sweet car, but damn. So here's here's a clean one here. Uh, modified, but in a way that I would say is uh, uh, tastefully modified. Oh, yeah, that's a good um, 17G. Wow. 17,000 Canadian pesos. 100,000 kilometers. Man, those Honda's engines, those little Honda engines. Well, it has a Type R engine. So the engine I was telling you is unobtainium at this point. Unobtainium, yep. It has that engine in it. Which is was a super common uh, swap. I drive the hell out of that thing. Yeah, you strap. Well, you strap. Um, you know, CRX weighs fifteen hundred pounds, and then you put a two hundred horsepower engine in it, all like all motor. It it's no surprise that that it goes like stink, man. The 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 chassis yeah. was only designed. The the highest output engine available for that car was one hundred and sixty horsepower. <laughs> so, it today modern equivalent. Let's say you wanted to have a similar driving experience to this. You can't really do it. Um, you're gonna get, you're gonna get close. What, um, what would you say is the closest modern day equivalent to an early '90s Japanese sports car? You maybe just more in in general terms. So I think, in terms of quickness, you're gonna get close with the modern day like um, Golf R. Just quickness. Yeah, but the, the, I guess, but this is a sensation. Yeah. yeah, the sensation is completely off, right? Because these cars, first of all, they are screamers. They make no power up until higher up in, in the in the RPM range. And if you happen to have one of them in their EcoBox trim, so the non-SI, um, you're not making any power at all. <laughs> but it's a little but it's a little go-kart. So the the car, I don't know how to explain this to a non-car person, so you're going to understand, but maybe the viewers won't. But the car is so incredibly prone. You feel every little, you, you feel every detail in the road. You, uh, w when you twitch the steering wheel, you know, driver's side, you feel the whole car just going, okay, I'm going, you turning left, I'm going left. Like there's no... Um, there's disconnect a there's a personality you know you there is you can feel like as as your energy changes it responds in a way the thing with a you know modern vehicle with all the stability stability track the 
you know, basically they drive for you. Electronic power steering, a lot of the feel is gone. You know, and in yes. some cases it's good. Like I, I get the progress. I mean, I've driven in, in early 90s vehicles and the, you know, there's road noise, there's vibr- harshness, there's vibration, uh-huh. there's this and that. I mean, as far as something to get to work every morning, they don't make them like they used to, thank goodness. But as far as something that you want to go and have fun with and you want to actually experience what it is to, to operate a vehicle, it, 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 you know, since that little point in our history, I don't think things have gotten better. I think they've gone the other way. Well, they've gotten better, but in different ways than enthusiasts would like. Exactly. Yeah. The, because the, the, they're, 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 they're a marvel of engineering. When I first turned the steering wheel on an electric power steer vehicle for the first time in my life, it was probably like a 2007 Honda Fit. I was like, is the steering rack disconnected? <laughs> it's, like, it's unnerving. It's different. It's very, very different. But I like it. But but the thing is, at the time, I was driving a manual rack Civic. I had a Civic with no power steering at all. And I was, you know, driving in these regular hydraulic power steering cars uh, in my bay to work on. And then all of a sudden I do a, a PDI on on a fit. And I'm like, what in the name yeah. is this? Like I was showing people in in the um, like the other guys in the shop. I was like, oh, my God, I can turn this with my pinky <laughs> because it is that different. Yeah. Oh, my God. Someone selling a DC Sports ceramic header. Okay, I used to lust after these in high school, but they called it a vintage DC Sports ceramic yep. header. <laughs> no, Get I'm your old. Final record out, buddy, and start VTeching your <laughs> ass around town because guess what? It's yeah. it sneaks up on a guy. I tell you. Yeah, that CRX is still in my garage because there's lack of funding to to basically insure it and put it on the road. Um, but when I put it on the road, the plan is to get vintage plates. Because oh. vintage plates, you get a little bit less. Um, you, you pay a little bit less for your for your plates, and you get a, a couple other little benefits. But the biggest benefit for me is to go to car meets with the vintage plates and get all the muscle guys all upset. Like, oh, that's not vintage. <laughs> that's my favorite. That guess what? Yeah, it's it. You know, I, I feel. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe the circles I roll in, but I feel that nowadays it's when it growing up it's like oh you like a honda like what people could not wrap their heads around like yeah they're they're fun like it's it's different way of making power it's not like they're slow cars you don't need to have six seven ten liters of displacement to to get a vehicle to go quickly there's different ways of doing it i think now yeah those guys still exist but i think there's a little bit the car community I think as a whole has has kind of accepted these cars as like yeah you know what they actually were per- something pretty special. Absolutely, and you know what? Even uh, I gave this example today. Uh, one of my students was uh, talking about automotive technology, and I was like, you know, in the '80s, Ford had a five-liter engine, which produced 186 horsepower, <laughs> and today they have a five-liter engine, same amount of cylinders, same displacement which produces like, what, like 380 or something like that? That sounds about right. Big freaking difference. And the only difference between those two is technology. We're just making the most out of our dinosaur squeezings. We've really put, we've, we've pushed it pretty far. Like it is, it is crazy. Like even the, um, uh, a lot of guys like the, the, the EcoBoost Mustangs right now, you know, the, the, like, 
guys guys rag on them, but the same idiot that's driving around in like a you know early two thousands uh, Ford Mustang V eight motor would get the doors blasted off of it by a modern EcoBoost Mustang, and it's like you know nine liters per hundred kilometers. Like they, they sip the fuel. It, it's it's we've we've done a lot. It's incredible how good. Or how efficient, I don't want to say good, how efficient we're <laughs> able to make these, relative. These, uh, these, these internal combustion engines. It's pretty crazy. Uh-huh, absolutely. And um, especially those of you that had the early 2000s Mustangs with the V6, I mean, enjoy your two-door Escort, man. <laughs> wow. It's a probe, basically. Uh, I was always, I was joking because one of my colleagues at, at work brought in uh, his friend's uh, Supra. So it had a non-turbocharged, um, a non-turbocharged inline six. And I said, oh, I didn't know they made the Camrys in two-door. <laughs> That's great. He didn't make any friends there. But no. listen, the Supras are sick cars. I don't care if you put a like two-stroke lawnmower in there. Those things are so they are terrible cars, but they are the sweetest things. Are ever. they terrible cars? I've only like I've literally only seen a couple like inside. I've never actually had any experience or known anybody that's had them. But they, I don't know. They they just I always I'm a big Fast and Furious fanboy from way back, and the, the, those cars were like lusting. I used to lust after those. And the, they have terrific engines. They have terrific transmissions. They are front engine, rear wheel drive. But the problem is that they are heavy. I can see it's, that. It's like the Skyline. The Skyline is not a sports car. The The Skyline is a luxury car. It was supposed to be comfortable first. It happens to be fast as well. Super sweet, though. I think a, yeah. a modern-day vehicle, it, like if I won the lottery, it wouldn't be a Lamborghini. It wouldn't be a uh, Ferrari or whatever. I'd probably get myself a, a Nissan GTR. Even the new ones, I still, oh, man, I have such a, boner for those things so i would agree with you the only thing i would disagree is that i would probably end up in a slightly older ferrari because of the same reason why i love the crx it's because it's more of a manual driving experience compared to the uh, gtr in fact if i was super rich i'd just have both this is true this but is if true. i had to pick one i think i would go like for a 458 uh ferrari Simply because it's a little bit more analog, and I think I need more of that in my life. I don't even think you can get a, a manual GTR these days. Probably not. It's all dual clutch, flappy paddle nonsense. That being said, you know, you get to a certain age, and you, you know, the red Ferrari with a chick by your side, and you're like, you know what? That's how it is in my head. But the people that are looking at me, it's like it's just some guy that's starting to go bald up top driving a Ferrari. It's a little <laughs> bit sad. But a GTR, you know, you, you get it in black, you, you tint it enough, you can kind of scoot under the radar until you open it up on the highway. Not that I'm I not even ever do that. If I were to get full time uh, teaching at the college, which uh, I mean, it's a sweet salary. It's That's not why you like the it, Volvos. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I would get full time working at the college, um, it's not like a, a huge salary, but it would make my life comfortable. Um, I would probably end up in a um yellow m4 that's my i think that's my BMW. sort of like popping around yeah i don't know man get out I'm of town it. are you into golfing or do you do large? no really? no no it's an it's an m it's an m it's not a 535i it's an <sighs> m4 
They never did. Um, the German cars, even now, and I know they're incredible. I know they make a lot of power. I think it's just because I've had the pleasure of working on a couple of German vehicles. And I always think to myself, I would never, ever own one of these things. Yeah, <laughs> this, this somebody is, else works on it. Bring it on. This is the one and the color. I sent it in the chat there. Let me see. So it's a coupe. It's got a, It's got the big sick. V8 motor. V8 motor. Yeah. Twin turbo uh, on this thing? How many turbos does it have? No, I think no. the V8 the V8 has no turbos. Uh, <laughs> the newer generations are V6 twin turbo. That thing is pretty sick, though. That's all right. What year is this? Is this new? It looks brand new. It's like, I think that one is some somewhere around like uh, 2015 or so, 2014. No, it's hard to tell with BMWs because they've literally looked exactly the same for the last four no. years. So <laughs> let me sh- let me show you their redesign. I, I work I work near one, right? So uh, you're not gonna like it. You work near what a BMW dealer or yeah, what's this yeah. thing. Look at the nostrils on it's that. Like Maserati had a <laughs> love child with like the the new Supra. And then the whole thing is just dressed up in like a some sort of safety orange yellow. Yeah, scenario. the new Supra is that, a actually. the new Supra is a Z4. You know that, right? Is that what that? Yeah, it is, right? It's it. It, it is. Is it similar DNA to this? Because it almost in silhouette looks very similar to this. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know, not my flavor. Definitely the other one is a little like that. Looks like a, like the older one looks like a usable car. Like you can drive this thing around. You know, you can. Yeah, it's in lime mustard gold yeah. paint obviously you know i love that i i love that color that. this thing is i don't know not for me honda has a uh, mustard yellow the civic sir came in mustard yellow too and that's what i would drive but now they're all gone they're all rusted so i mean they don't they don't exist anymore color of rust they, yeah um but you know it's either this or uh, a black on black uh, m5 basically never in a million years would you have struck me as a bmw guy but you know i guess you're a teacher now you know well, you're settling into your tweed vest your smoking I, jacket it's a tweed vest and it's got elbow patches Corn yes pipe of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> i use i use these cars as a demonstration for my students because they learn how to uh, you know size tires for example and okay. how expensive tires can be and rims can be so I tell them to price out some some rims and tires for like a like an 06 Cobalt and then ask them to price out some rims and tires for uh, an 06 BMW M5 and they're like yeah I didn't do the homework properly I got like uh 4 grand <laughs> at the estimate and I'm like no man like some cars that's what it costs guess what Yeah they have no idea tires are they crazy have, they are yeah. insane it's too much Yeah but I mean I, I think the M5 uses, uh, let's see, three. I think it's 335 40R20. It's a big boy. Like, not a big yeah. in, the, in that sense, but it, she's a thickster, if you will. <laughs> Definitely. And exactly. those brakes barely fit inside. <sighs> I don't know. Like, yeah. I just, I, the problem with BMW, like, there's, there's so much. Like, I guess maybe if you take the badge off of it, you don't tell anybody that you drive a BMW. But there's such a stigma attached to the BMW driver. You know, I don't know if you've seen the meme recently, but it's a inside of a BMW, and there's a, a full blown spider web on this on the signal stock going to the dash. <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally like nailed it. Like, yeah, of course, it's a BMW that's going to have. Yeah, I used to make that jo- that joke a lot, but uh, then I found a uh, pretty interesting reply. So if you drive a BMW 
and someone says, oh, you know that little, uh, the little stick on the left? Uh, use that for indicators. <laughs> All you have to tell them is, um, no, my BMW does have turn signals. It just flashes at a frequency that poor people can't see. <laughs> oh, you're going to be a perfect BMW owner. Everybody's going to hate you. Yeah. But anyways, I think we should wrap it up. Um, listen, thank you so much for coming and hang out. Um, usually I send people to watch people's videos and stuff. Do you still want people to go to your channel? Or is that no longer? I'm hanging out. I'm just, I'm doing stuff. I might post some videos down the road. We'll see. I'm, I do the, plan on doing the occasional live stream. So if they want to head over there, if not, uh, maybe just let's plug South Main Auto. Uh, he's, oh, he's he uses the help. I think uh, he's a bit of a smaller channel. We'll give him a hand. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, South Main Auto, great channel. It is a great channel. And uh, Eric, if you're listening, because I do know that you know junk from work, uh, hit me up. I want you on the podcast. And um, for you, uh, junk, I want to, I want to pressure you. I would love to do like a. I don't know, like a bi-weekly, maybe a monthly automotive podcast. I don't know if that's your jam, but I would love to do it. I consider it. I definitely, I think we can BS about automotive technology or vehicles for an hour. It's, I mean, that's pretty much what I do in my off time anyway. And then, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, pressure Eric O to come on. Who knows? Now, yeah, if you can get Eric on board, I'm in. Absolutely. I'm riding that coattails all the way to, all the way to the top, baby. Well, you're the closest one to, to get him. Like, I, I'll sweet talk him, but you need to get me in. <laughs> I'll try. I'll see what I can do. Sounds good. Uh, so, guys, go check out uh, South Main, uh, even though I'm not chatting with Erico today. But I also want you guys to go check out Junk From Work's uh, channel and just leave comments uh, because, oh, good ones at least, because comments uh, make the world go around for YouTube creators. And even though yeah, Junk says he's not a YouTube creator anymore, uh, he still will get the warm and fuzzies if you post a positive comment, I'm sure. Absolutely. All right, guys, we'll catch you in the next one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me.